0: Few people are aware of the lengths that photojournalists go to get their work done. Getting the right shot is hard, especially when you're working in a conflict zone. And especially when you're a woman. In this episode, producer Nikki Hashemian dives into the world of female photojournalists and the trials and tribulations of documenting war and conflict. This is Same Difference.
1: When someone gets their daily dose of news, they may not always be aware of the lengths journalists go to for that information, especially women. Photojournalists have put themselves in danger overseas to capture a story and it's something only they can understand. Covering war for women hasn't been the simplest task. They've had to prove themselves in every aspect of their profession. They've had to convince editors they weren't too emotional, they physically and mentally could handle war, and they wouldn't distract their male colleagues on the front lines with their femininity. And when they got sexually assaulted or abused, they couldn't speak up in fear of losing assignments. Female journalists have always had to fight for their place in the industry, whether it's covering sports, hard news, or taking photos but some have been lucky in having a successful and fulfilling career as a conflict photographer. An American photojournalist, originally from North Carolina, Andrea Bruce has been photographing war for 20 years. She brings attention to people living in the aftermath of war. She is the co-owner and member of the photo agency NOR, and for years she has recorded the world's most dangerous and violent areas as a staff photographer for the Washington Post. Andrea has focused on Iraq since 2003, following the difficulties and hardship of the conflict experienced by Iraqis and the US military. She has also wrote a weekly column for the Post called Unseen Iraq. Her awards include top honors from the White House News Photographers Association, where she has been named Photographer of the Year four times now. But her path that led her to photography came as a surprise.
2: I went to school at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill to be a writer, to be a reporter. And Then I took a photo class my last semester senior year, and I fell in love with it. So I kind of quit everything else in my life and dedicated everything to photography, and I, I eventually got a job at this really wonderful small paper called the Concord Monitor in New Hampshire. And um, I loved really diving into small-town life or kind of community journalism. The idea kind of is that everybody has a story and then I got a job at the Washington Post and 9-11 happened so I was sent overseas and I realized quickly that the kind of small-town approach to photography, the kind of idea that everyone has a story and and about the community itself um, was even more important in war zones than, than it was yeah, in the US. People in the United States weren't paying attention to the wars in Afghanistan and, and Iraq, and that was quite frustrating. Every time I came home, you know, I, I felt like I failed. No one's paying attention i can't get people to understand what it's like to be iraqi or what it's like to be a soldier and so i kept going back uh, to try to do it better and and try to really reach people and so my goal was kind of to to get people i i you know i think covering the the violence that exists in war zones is extremely important but i think it's also good to balance it with everyday life and and what it's like to live in war zones or just to exist. Because if people can't relate to people uh, from a different culture or a different country, a different religion, a different language, then they're never going to care what happens to them.
1: Women photojournalists have faced life-threatening situations while traveling in conflict zones. In 2011, CBS News chief foreign correspondent, Laura Logan, was brutally attacked by a group of men in Cairo. She was repeatedly raped and beaten. In an interview with the New York Times, she said, quote, the physical wounds heal. You don't carry around the evidence the way you would if you had lost your leg or arm in Afghanistan, end quote. Well-known photojournalist Lindsay Adario was kidnapped in Libya, while a gun to her head and groped by a group of men, she wondered if she was going to be killed or raped. She's always traveled with a male colleague, whether a driver or a translator. When she felt threatened, she apologized and was submissive. Lindsay tried to ignore the verbal threats and inappropriate touching. She has said, quote, I'm not going to complain every time a guy grabs my butt. My editors are never going to send me anywhere if I do that." A study by Hannah Storm, the former director of the International News Safety Institute, says women are three times more likely to get online threats and harassment than their male colleagues. A study by the International Women's Media Foundation found that 30% of women said they thought about no longer being a journalist anymore because of the online threats. This shows the silent culture of female journalists and the importance of keeping quiet when they are harassed. It also goes beyond the online threats. Women journalists have to think about their safety. Andrea has felt uncomfortable at times and she has tried her best to blend in as much as possible. But she thinks maybe being a woman has kept her a bit safer. Well, I think it's,
2: Always been really important to understand a a culture before you get there as much as possible and realize that you know I am NOT the story so when I go to another culture I try to assimilate as much as possible so I wear a burqa or I wear you know a hijab in different places just to be respectful I just kind of assimilate and then you're kind of invisible Women are often kind of in the background. You know, we, we might be noticed, um, but, you know, when I put a baya on in the back of a car and I drive somewhere, I'm less noticed than a white man in a, like, Iraq would be, like, American white men have even more of a problem covering daily life in Iraq. They're more noticed and probably people react to them differently. But for me, I can, I can, at least for a couple of minutes, and people until people see my face, and I talk to them, and they know my accent, and they see how tall I am. Like then, they'll know that I'm not from there, probably. But it's, I don't feel like it's more dangerous. I feel like you just, you have to kind of go with the flow um, a little bit more during an Ashura celebration. There might be like tens of thousands of men in the streets celebrating and the women are mostly on the rooftops. But as a photographer, I'm down in the crowds with men dressed appropriately and I might get harassed for that because it's, you know, not really accepted, you know. And that kind of makes sense. But for the most part, people treated me um, really well. And I think that being a woman kept me safer. I mean, the only times I've felt uncomfortable, really, well, the biggest way I've felt comfortable is actually with the U.S. military. I was often the only woman that, you know, a, a kind of remotely based company had, had seen in, like, many months. And I don't know, There, there was kind of a dislike of the media to begin with, but then also, on top of it, being a woman was not always a happy position to be in and it felt very isolating you know where my colleagues who are men could kind of hop into an embed situation and like sleep next to the guys and like pal up with them. I was always stuck in like a supply closet somewhere and it took me a long time to often prove myself to be accepted. So I would spend several weeks to kind of gain their confidence and gain their respect which would happen eventually, but it was always more hard one. There's a lot
1: that Andrea has witnessed in her career, but she has found ways to help her cope with the violence she has seen over the years. Andrea feels the public isn't aware of what journalists have gone through in order to report a story and what it really takes to be out in the field.
2: people have no idea how hard it is <laughs> or the the months of preparation the like days without sleep the extreme situations that we go through to get pictures on a front page or in a magazine and and I think maybe that's also a problem from the media we we haven't done a very good job of telling our own story because we never want the story to be about us we want it to be you know about the rest of the world, but then it also doesn't give room for people to understand how we work ethically, as well as like day to day, to know that we do our best to report the truth, the closest thing to the truth that we could possibly find, that we're trained to kind of weed through, you know, as other people say, fake news or, or like false or or just slanted points of view we we tried to present the world like a a living history um, which is not an easy task photographing those situations it is really intense although at the moment you're more concerned with all the logistics of being there where am I going to sleep tonight? Where am I going to get food? How am I going to get my pictures sent to this publication? You know, and and so you're constantly kind of thinking ahead of like, what is the next step? So you don't always think about what's in front of you. But I, um, I mean, you think about the situation for sure, and you empathize with people, but you don't let yourself get lost in that at the moment. At least for me, I also have this thing that I do that I got from my mom (laughs) which is whenever I whenever I see somebody crying I also cry and it sounds ridiculous and sometimes it seems um, very unprofessional at the moment but it also I think helps me deal with a lot of the the pressure the sadness and the in this in the moment and and I don't bottle it up as much as I think some of my colleagues do But it does affect me i mean i i'm probably much more serious than i was before i started covering war i see uh, the connections between things i get more frustrated when people don't pay attention to the world because i feel like we all as humans have a responsibility to pay attention to what's happening to people even if you don't think it's going to affect you because everything is connected I think the biggest way that having a child has affected me is that, um, and I've, I've, you know, I've always felt empathy for people. But when you have a child and you see that innocence and that purity and like uh, just who they are, then you look around you and people who are troubled or have either physical or mental or emotional issues that have kind of hindered them and made life really heavy you think wow this was once a two-year-old who was so you know innocent and and then the world happened to them you know and, and how does that happen and how can we you know make that a little less intense or negative you know um, everyone kind of starts at the same place
1: Andrea has been all over the world telling other people's stories. Her most memorable experiences include the people she's met and having the privilege
2: to capture their lives. Covering the Afghan elections and watching women vote for the first time in 2004, or hanging out with a woman named Hala who is a prostitute in Iraq for a year, or, you know, living in Ramadi with you know, a a unit of Marines for a month. You know, all of these situations kind of come back and I remember them every day. I mean, just this morning, I was thinking about these factory workers in India that I hung out with for several weeks who come from the countryside to the big city for the first time and work in these factories. And what is it like for them on a day-to-day basis and learning how to make their own money and the the kind of freedom and the fear that kind of goes along with that kind of um, experience for them. So yeah, every every person I meet and every place I've been, it, that has their lives become my life, quite literally. <laughs> it has been, you know, the privilege of being able to meet women from all different cultures and experiences and become close to them and friends with them um, and share this kind of strange shared um, experience of being a woman and, but in different cultures and just knowing them. I think that is probably the biggest privilege I've had.
1: Now let me take you to Afghanistan. Narjis Ghaffari is an Afghan woman working as a photographer in Afghanistan for 10 years now. She travels around the province working for different organizations to capture images of her community. She is looked down upon for working, but it just drives her even more to fight for change. Working as a woman in Afghanistan isn't simple. Nargis always needs to take precautions when traveling in different areas in fear of being kidnapped or killed. She only travels with organizations she is working for and stays in safe locations set up by them. There is a significant difference in women and men photographers in Afghanistan. Nargis says there are barriers for women to do their job in the country.
3: Being a photographer especially a female photographer is challenging and risky in Afghanistan context and there is no doubt about it. There are many reasons for that. One of the reasons is cultural issues. As a woman if you are going to travel to remote areas you have to have the accompany of one of your male family members and uh, so you cannot travel to those places alone. The second reason is insecurity. There are some places that are insecure, and your life would be in danger if you travel to those places. Due to cultural barriers, it is challenging for female photographers to go on the streets or go to remote areas to take photos. And um, so they may not go. However, it will be easy for male photographer to go anywhere and take photos. And it's more culturally accepted for male photographer to go anywhere, but not for female photographer.
1: Nargis works for UNICEF in Afghanistan. She inspires women in her community that they can achieve anything and continues to fight for education for girls. Even though she's doing a man's job in Afghanistan, she's proud she is showing young women that they can achieve more than marriage. The numbers in women journalists are rising in Afghanistan and she is excited to see what the future holds for women in the country.
3: When I started working as a photographer, I was very young and I didn't have any experience on photography skills and even I didn't uh, travel to the field before but that didn't stop me to follow my dreams. So my advice or my recommendation to young girls is that if they like something, they should just follow it.
1: For the future, Andrea wants change and hopes different people from all walks of life can get involved with storytelling because it's a way of helping people to connect with one another.
2: I think the number one thing I want hope for is for more black and brown photographers who are women um, throughout the world. Where their their visions and their voices are sorely needed. And then beyond that, I hope that the media regains its position and its necessity in the world. I You know, you see how people can respect journalism in places where it's been banned, like in Syria or feared like it is in China. You know, I just hope that places like the United States doesn't lose the free press the way been. It's been kind of a beacon of hope throughout the world. People need to pay attention. You know, a war in Syria does affect you in some way, somehow in history. You know. History is important and, and history is happening around us all the time. We have to kind of stay aware. It doesn't mean you have to change everything, the effects that you see, um, but paying attention will in the long run keep people educated and, and make the right, help people make the right decisions whether that's an election or um, how you see people.
0: You know what? It is so true. We often look at these photos from war zones and conflict zones in the news or our history textbooks from when we were kids, but rarely do we think, at least I don't really think about who took those photos. That was Nikki Hashemian. Thank you for that. And thanks to our executive producer, Emily Morantz, associate producer, Manuela Vega, artwork by Ben Shelley, theme music composed by John Powers. I've been your host, Gracie Bryson. And of course, a shout out to Amanda Capito, a photograph that makes you cry. And remember, fitting in is overrated.